This is the Extravagant Promises Podcast, and I'm your host, Gregory. This is a podcast about reckoning, recovery, and redemption. We share our experience, strength, and hope. Tonight's episode is episode 22, Landslide. Before I begin the episode, I do want to cover the preambles of this podcast. The first is, this is not an AA meeting or approved AA literature. Rather, this is an act of service by me that is designed to supplement, complement, um, augment your recovery program. I encourage everyone to work their program, attend meetings in person if at all possible, have a sponsor, work the steps with your sponsor, and when the time is right, sponsor other men and women uh, respectively. I do believe that the extravagant promises that are so joyously set forth in the big book do come true, and I think that it will happen for you if you if you work the promises, you work the steps and you work the program, especially with a sponsor. And then when you sponsor other suffering, so fellow sufferers and, and journey men and women. Number two, I am not a mental health professional and this is not meant to be medical advice of any sort um, or healthcare advice. Um, this is merely um, I am in the recovery world. I am in the recovery community. I am a professional in IRL or in real life. Um, and I have a job and I have a business. So everything that is offered here is really more my story and more sharing of my experience, strength, and hope in the help, in, with the hope that it will help others. And it is part of, as I said, my service. Thirdly, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, and I just, again, beg anyone who's listening to protect your anonymity, but also to protect mine, and you you may reach me at Extravagant Promises Podcast on Instagram, or you can reach me uh, by email, which is extravagantpromisespodcast at gmail.com. I will be militant in protecting your anonymity and uh, I would never out you or dox you or anything like that and I ask for the same in return um, fourth uh, this is a free podcast I do not accept sponsorship I do not solicit donations and I will not accept compensation for this podcast it is a way for me to get the message out and a way for me to serve and a way for me to improve my program and, 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 and strengthen my sobriety and my happiness, joy, and, and freedom uh, by, by producing this. I really get a lot out of it. And I uh, will continue as long as I can to make this available and, and to have it be free and on, that, on whatever platforms I can, I can produce it on. So with that said, this is episode number 22, Landslide, and before I begin, I do want to mention that episode 21 was obviously very intense, perhaps the most intense episode I've had thus far, and 
uh, started it with a rather stark and somewhat shocking personal narrative and recitation of some things that happened to me when I was a child. And um, I just want to thank everybody who's reached out to me. Um, I've had some some different folks reach out and you know, the the impressions and conclusions and, and thoughts ranged from, it, it, they, they were all on the positive side of the house, so to speak, and on the loving side of the house and nurturing and comforting, but certainly there was a lot of shock and dismay of, of what happened and that someone could do that to me in that way. Um, and I'm obviously still dealing with it. Um, and that's kind of, you know, that I'm, tonight's episode is a little less dramatic, and, um, but, but, it, but, but it's part of the healing process. And, and, and really tonight, the focus, um, I say landslide because um, I think about the song by Stevie Nicks, you know, and um, Fleetwood Mac. I think the Dixie Chicks did a cover of it. It's a pretty good cover. Um, but... You know, just this idea of the, the, the refrains about children in it. Children get older and and I just always think about, about my children. And I think about radical acceptance and <clears throat> and I think about the stages of grief and the stages of of healing and how they all blend together um, with my path and my program to bring me to where I am today. And I've, I've really had a lot of great breakthroughs in my program and, and amazing feelings of joy and serenity that I hope maybe you can learn or maybe hear some, some things from my, my story that, that, that resonate with you. Um, so here we go, episode 22. The King and the Handmaiden and the Doctor by Rumi. Do you know why your soul mirror does not reflect as clearly as it might? Because rust has begun to cover it. It needs to be cleaned. Here's a story about the inner state that meant by soul mirror. As those of you who are probably engaged in any form of recovery, um, will probably have often heard, and if you're involved in therapy, you certainly will have heard over and over again the phrase radical acceptance, and I've talked about it on prior episodes. But the idea of, of radical acceptance, there's a very popular book out by a psychotherapist named Tara Brock, B-R-A-C-H, um, which is uh, a very well-recommended book. You know, the concept of radical acceptance, I think, is it, it feeds, in my estimation, into the notion of serenity, except the things we cannot change. It feeds into the notion of the Kubler-Ross or whatever, you know, the, the stages of denial and bargaining and rage or you know and 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 then and then finally acceptance and what and what does it mean to be radical in acceptance or to radically accept something and i think that um it's it's sort of like 
playing a violin that's, you know, when, when it's in tune, you know, that, that, or, or a flow state where you, you're in it and you know it and you feel it. And then maybe it whisks like smoke, it just kind of blows away. And, and now you're back in, you know, in a different stage and you don't feel it anymore. But, but I think that sometimes part of the problem that we have in our recovery world and, and those of us who are suffer or the journeymen and women is that, you know, we, we, we look at the words themselves. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. You know, what does it mean to accept the things you cannot change? What does it mean to radically accept the things you cannot change? What, what, what does accept mean? And what, and what does, what is something I cannot change? You know, there, there's, there's, it, it's, it's amazing. But if you think about it, when you deny, when you try to rationalize something, when you rationalize, you know, I, I was horrible to somebody, but, 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 the, but they're really bad people, you know, kind of, they deserved it. That's a form of denial. That's, that's denying the fact that you did something wrong, you know? And so you're not accepting the past. So probably the number one thing that you cannot change is the past. History. It happened. Did you do it or not? Did it occur or not? You know, did you, did you get drunk or not? Did you have an affair or not? Did you cheat? Did you lie? Did you deceive? Did you do some? Did someone do that to you? Were you beaten as a child or not? And there's so much that we try to gaslight, for lack of a better word, ourselves and the rest of the world around us. What that is, and being gaslit, is an attempt by people around you or yourself to try to change the past. To try to say that, that it didn't happen that way. And that is the ultimate form of denial. That's the ultimate lack of accepting the things you cannot change. The ultimate lack of radical acceptance. A number, another, another part of that is that, you know, and this, this took me years before, you know, my therapist and I really talked about it, is that acceptance does not mean agreement. Acceptance does not mean, um, it does not mean complicit. It does not mean countenance. It does not mean that you, that you're tolerant of it, that, that it, it should happen again. That's the problem. See, I think that, 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 you know, and, and this is my, I remember one time early in recovery, I, I wrote out a new serenity prayer and I sent it to my sponsor and my phone just blew up because it was like, wait, what, what are you doing? You're rewriting the serenity prayer? You know, uh, we're not doing that. <laughs> and that's, and that's what I'm saying is like, I, I feel like sometimes we get in our own heads, but it's like, you know, the asterisk by the word accept is sort of like, you know, it's, it's like if you're defining something when, when they say like, amen, what does that mean? You know, what, what does it mean? What did Adam mean? Adam, what, what did it mean? Was Adam, Adam, did it mean mankind? Did it have a different meaning? You know, all those things. It was in Aramaic. Was it even written at the time? You know, all those things that go into the word accept. 
you know, I listen, hey, you need to accept that means like you need to, you need to essentially ratify it. You need to approve it. You need to be complicit with it. You need to be happy about it. All those things that are absolutely not true. Absolutely not true. You know, and, you know, certainly one of the biggest things that I have struggled with in my life is to accept that my mother was a child, what is a child abuser. She abused her child to accept that I am a victim of child abuse. You know, it's just one of those things where it's like, I, I don't even like saying those words. And I can't believe I'm saying this after you already listened to episode 21. It's like, people are like, are you kidding me? I mean, why were the police not called? You know, things like that. And it's like, you know, every time that I try to put my mom into a situation where, hey, will you, will you, you know, you'll 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 show character this time. You'll you won't do something just horribly sociopathic this time or pathologically lying this time. You know, and it does, and and it, and, it, and and then you get burned over and over again, and you just feel so ashamed. And I imagine that must be what it's like for you know when a child is sitting there or a, a parent or a or or a, a spouse or something, and and the, and your and your other the parent, child, whoever it is on the other side, is coming home drunk. And it's like, I, I needed you to not be drunk tonight. I needed you to not be drunk at my wedding. I needed you to not throw a tantrum at my wedding. You know? I needed you to, I needed you to just behave like a, like a reasonable human being in the United States would behave. You know? I needed you to not freak out on, on my fiance or my fiance's mother or do you pull some stunt or be drunk or what you know that those are those things that and and every time when you're when you're when you're expecting a different outcome from somebody you're not you're not accepting the truth so i think that there are a couple different um applications here in the radical acceptance to our program of recovery um and how it dawned on me was, you know, I've got a few years of, of sobriety, you know, and I feel like I walk a very tight path of honesty and integrity. But as I've admitted in this podcast before, that was not always the case. And in some pretty important ways, um, I was not honest with some pretty important people, um, you know, on the personal slash family side of the house. And, you know, I may have been an upstanding professional who never ever, you know, had any breach of character or anything like that in, in my business life or my professional life. But I was, there were things I did that I really am ashamed of and I'm, and I, and I lived with that shame and guilt and it goes back a long ways. But, you know, one of the things is that a couple weeks ago, I was sitting with my eldest daughter, and and it was really cool because, you know, I can say that, and I'll, I'll come back to this later in the podcast, but I have an amazing relationship with my girls, and um, I'm so, I, I think the, the thing that I'm the most grateful for in my whole life is being able to be their dad. They are, they are the best thing that ever happened to me, and they are so incredible, and I love them so deeply. And 
you know, I looked at them and I said, what's a character trait that you think is the most important character trait? Like, you know, what are your character traits? Like courage, just and my eldest daughter looked at me and kind of had like a little, little kind of slit to her eye kind of thing, like a cocked her eye a little bit. And she said, honesty. And then kind of went on doing something. And I thought, you know, my daughter thinks I'm dishonest. Um, and, you know, earlier in my program, earlier in my life, I would have said, hey, what are you talking about? Are you suggesting I'm not? I know. Let me come. Come on now. Let's rationalize this. Let me tell you. Let me tell you the whole story here, so you understand that what you think, so that I can convince you not to think I'm dishonest, or that I can get you to take that back, so we can pretend. You know, ultimate form of dis, of denial. And instead, I sat with it. And I just looked at her and kind of nodded. I said, "I think you're right. I think it's that's definitely top two or three. You know." Kindness, honesty. And, you know, I thought long and hard about it. And I thought, you know, she thinks I'm dishonest. Or she certainly believes that I was dishonest. Maybe both. And, you know, it's time to admit again, as you have before, but it's time to accept that you were. You know, you were dishonest. And whether you think that she knows the whole story or whether you think there was a reason for it or it, you're not responsible or there's more to it than that, the truth of it is, is you were dishonest and your daughter knows it and she thinks it. Time to, for some radical acceptance. Do I approve of the dishonest? No. Do I, do I, am I, you know, countenancing being? No. But I have to accept. You know, it's like you think about it this way. Like, if you went to prison and, and you came out. And, and, is, and let, me, let me segue again on a segue on my segue. Don't you think it's kind of like your secrets? Like, failure to be radical acceptance and denial is, is a form of keeping a secret. And we're only as sick as our secrets. So, you know, it's like, say you went to prison and you were out living your life. And you're like, I hope no one ever finds out that I went to prison. And then you start telling yourself all these stories and you start telling people that you didn't really actually go to prison. Or there's a reason like, you know, even if you were innocent and you were wrongfully convicted, but you were in prison, you know. And... You know, it's kind of like in the scene in Shawshank Redemption where he's like, you know, they all have their reason of what no one, they're not, not a single one of them's guilty kind of thing. And that's how I felt, you know, it was like, I need to accept my past and I need to accept the future that my past creates and accepting it, meaning I can't change that. And I, and I really, I don't deserve to have the, the power if I could to change it. And I'm not sure I'm entitled to change it. And I'm not sure I would want to change it. And I'm going to get to that, that little part in a little bit, you know, when I talk about your mess becoming your message. But, you know, the, the, the simple part of this is that she looked at me and she said honesty. And what her eyes said and what her face said and what her words said in my mind were, 
you're dishonest or you have been dishonest. And I'm not happy about it. And I thought, this is going to be the ultimate showing of your manhood and of your fatherhood and of your program is by looking and saying, you know, you're right and kind of accepting. And, you know, you're not, you're not happy about it. You're not countenancing it, but you're, you know, okay. And it was a pretty magical moment. It hurt a lot. And um, I thought, well, you know, after a couple of years of sobriety, you know, I haven't lied in a long time and I haven't done anything running around or doing anything crazy or anything. You know, don't I get, don't I get, you know, don't I get the, the stamp of approval? No, you, that's really none of your business. You don't get the stamp of approval. You, they get to, they get to approve or not approve, not you. And so we were, you know, she called me up a little bit later and she said, uh, Hey, it's my last spring break. Um, and she's going to college in the fall, and I'm really excited about it. And all, but she said it's my last spring break, and I'd like to spend it with you. You know, think about that. You know, that's that's speaking from the heart. I'd like to speak. I'd like to spend it with you. I don't care where we go. I don't care what we do. I just want to spend it with you, Dad. And so I said, right on. Let's do it. I had just gone on a vacation. And I was like, done. And she probably could have called me a little earlier, so you know, could made more arrangements in advance, a little save a little money or something. But I said, you know, done. Where are we? Let's go. Let's go on a fabulous trip. So we did. And we were we went to the islands. Um, we went both to a place we've never been, and it was really cool. And um, I was hanging out with her, and we were talking. And I said, hey, I want to go back to this. You know, when I asked you. I, I picked up I picked up that you thought that you were directing that at me and saying I'm not honest and that's okay but was that correct and she said yes and I said okay I deserve that um, and that's right and she said you know I haven't gotten over some things I'm trying to work on it but you know I'm, I'll get there but I'm not there yet and I said that's okay I said you know there's I could sit here and tell you there are two sides of the story and all this kind of stuff, but you know, the truth of it is, is you're right, and I accept that. And that, all of a sudden, it all started to come together for me. You know, like this is what it means to radically accept something you did not want to admit, you did not want to accept, you know. And we played it, we played a, a game kind of like. True or false, we called it. And we'd just say, like, you know, true true or false, you know, this, you know, and best trip we've ever been on, you know, it's just true, you know. Um, and I said, true or false, our relationship's the best it's ever been. And she said, true. Man, you talk about melt your heart. You talk about just lay it out there. Whoo! That is the deal. When when a, when when your daughter, your baby girl, you know, your firstborn looks at you in the eyes and says, "True," on the this is the best best it's ever been. You just you know you are you are you are Bubba. You are the man right then because you feel like man, I am doing. I'm walking the right path. You know, because she could have been like, "No, nah, you know, I think I think you know we got some work to do," or you know, but she was. I just said, "This is a, our relationship best best it's ever been." She said, "True." Um. Radical acceptance. You got to radically accept. 
You know, you got to, you got to, you've got to, to accept the things you cannot change. Don't keep it secret. Don't approve of it. Don't say it's okay. Oh, acceptance does not mean okay. Acceptance does not mean let's do it again. Acceptance doesn't mean like thumbs up. It just means like I accept that it happened. I accept that this is the way this is. You know, there's a thing called the Stockdale Paradox, which is Admiral Stockdale, who was a Vietnam veteran, ran for vice president in 1992, I believe, with uh, Ross Perot. He was um, beaten so badly that he lost his hearing on one side of his face and his, his head in the uh, Vietnam War. He was a prisoner of war for seven years, I believe, and uh, maybe more. And, and he was in the Hanoi Hilton, and he won the Medal of Honor, I believe, for his actions of heroism as a prisoner of war. I mean, bring it. You know, like the idea being like you are in the worst possible scenario. You are captured. They are torturing you. You know, I think the, the gentleman from Alabama who was a senator there uh, was also a prisoner of war there, wrote a book called When Hell Was in Session, and that's when they would blinked out the words torture when they were put on TV to show how well they were being treated and all this stuff. And he blinked it out in Morse code when hell was in session. And you think about that, like, so again, segue on segue, but one of the segues is that like, if you look at the men who are in the Hanoi Hilton and what they've gone on to achieve, I mean, you have John McCain, obviously presidential candidate, Senator for many, many years. You had, um, I'm, I'm, you know, Admiral Stockdale, you know, you, you had like numerous men who, who reached high ranks in their military careers, but also went on to become United States senators, presidential candidates, you know, just epic heroes of American society from the horrible horrors of what they faced. And, um, and so this, this concept of the Stockdale paradox was that, you know, we hear all about positive thinking and like, it's going to get great, you know, where it's going to be this, you know, this and that. And it's like the power of positive thinking, you know, it's very true. But when they asked him, they said, who, 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 who could make it and who couldn't make it? And he said very quickly, he said, well, that's easy. It was the optimists. You know, because we're always told to be, be optimistic, you know, all this stuff. <laughs> and yeah, be but he said it, it was the optimists, the unrealistic optimists. They'd say, you know, we're going to be home by Christmas and Christmas would come and, they'd, and it would break their hearts. And they believe we're going to be home by Easter, and Easter would come, and they were still, and they break their hearts, and they died of broken hearts. Essentially, they were broken men. And he said, you know, you had to have brutal honesty and acceptance of the reality. You are in a prison camp. You are not going home for a long time. It's going to be pretty damn bad. And then at the same time to have this prevailing faith and unabide, un, undiminished, untarnished faith that you would survive and you would ultimately prevail. And that's why they call it the Stockdale Paradox. It's like these, the concept of like a deep inner light of knowing it's, you're going to get there but at the same time, a brutal acceptance of reality, a harsh reality and brutal self-awareness that shit ain't good. 
It, you know, I'm in the thick of it. And, and that's to me what radical acceptance means is I'm not saying it's okay that you beat the shit out of me as a kid. What I'm saying though is I accept that you're a child abuser. And that, that's, that sucks to say it. But it's true. Another thing is like think about yourself and think about I'll think about, you know, when you first come in the rooms, you know, you're looking for your your life is unmanageable. You're thinking about killing yourself. You're bankrupt. You're divorced. You're living under a bridge. You're not living under a bridge. You're under indictment. Whatever. Your life is unmanageable. And someone suggests maybe you need to go to AA or NA or something. And you go in there and, you know, you have a relationship with this substance. And in, the, in this case, the bottle. A decades-long relationship that has been your companion through all this. And you have to accept the reality that, you know... Accept, radically accept that that relationship, if you're going to survive, has got to change. You know, so many people, they come in the program, they come, you know, I've seen this, I've seen, I saw it, you know, I saw it in myself to beginning. You know, it was this idea of like, I'm going to have to break up with this ultimate muse, you know, this bottle. I'm going to have to change this relationship and change meaning I'm never going to do it again. You know, and you don't want to do that. You don't want to, you know, what you want to say is, well, mommy didn't love me and ah, da, 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 and I was beating her and, and, and but that, so that gives me license to drink. And if I could just figure out my problems, if I could just get a couple million dollars more in the bank, you know, if I could just win this or, you know, d d discover the polio vaccine, then my life would be okay and I could drink normally and I can, I can, I can have three martinis at lunch and it not be a big problem. Wrong. That's the Stockdale paradox. That's not radical acceptance. You know, that is, you're the optimist. You're the one who doesn't want to accept reality. Santa Claus ain't coming. You know, you're on a desert island. You ain't going to wake up tomorrow in the Ritz-Carlton and, you know, it'll, you know, wherever. Anyway, so, so, you know, that's, that's, I, I've seen this with some friends recently who are struggling with substance abuse and addiction and have a history of child abuse, severe child abuse. And, you know, they, they want to be cured of, the, of their ailments, but don't want to admit that as part of this process and this addiction, I mean, part of this and the abuse, you've become a, a drug addict. You gotta, you gotta not be a drug addict, and that's just, you know, it's like, well, no, if I can go magically unpack all this back baggage from the past and understand it, then I can be kind of a normal drug user or drunk. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but that isn't how it worked. That isn't that isn't radical acceptance. Radical acceptance is I'm a drug addict. That's what the person should say. I should say, hey, I'm an alcoholic. You know. Alcohol made me feel good. Alcohol cooled me out. Alcohol made me, had gave me energy. It gave me, it was, you know, all kinds of stuff. Boy, it made me feel like hell, but, you know, boy, it was just, you know, it loosened your tongue and it made you, you know, more, all these things that you thought, you know, you know what? That was a giant lie. Radical acceptance. I'm an alcoholic. 
radical acceptance. There may be a lot of precursors to that addiction, but that doesn't change the fact that I'm an alcoholic. I was dishonest. I did dishonest things. And my daughter knows it. And it ain't nothing I can do that's going to change the fact that I was dishonest. I can make amends. I can walk a path of righteousness and live my life in a way that shows her how a man should live and how and how you know deeply remorseful I am and 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 gain her forgiveness and her love and her and, and gain redemption. But I cannot change the fact that I did things that were wrong. Radical acceptance. So, you know, when I came into the rooms, um, you know, and this is this kind of goes part and parcel with these two themes, you know, um, I would sit there and I would say to everybody, I'd start crying and I would say, I'm a mess, my life's unmanageable, I'm a horrible piece of shit, I am, um, I am not worthy of being alive, I am unforgivable. I don't even really know why I'm here because this is a program of recovery and redemption and and I don't deserve recovery or redemption. I deserve to be cast into the seventh circle of hell. I, I can't remember from Dante's Inferno who exactly is in the seventh circle of hell, but whoever's there, I was supposed to be with him or her or it. And, you know, that was what I deserved. And um, it, it's taken kind of two two big moments for me to really come out of the other side. And one was, and I shared this, you know, a few years ago, or I don't know how long ago, but a while ago, you know, someone, they, they, I learned three things, you know, first someone came up to me and they said, you keep talking like that, you're going to drink again. You keep talking like that, you're going to drink again. And I said, okay, I don't want to do that. And the second thing somebody said was, you have to remember that God's power to forgive is greater than any man's power to sin. And then the third thing was when someone said, and I heard in the rooms, was that when you say you're unforgivable, when you say you're unworthy of God's love, guess who you're playing? Guess who you think you are? God. Are you God? No. Well, why are you going to tell God you're unforgivable? That's God's decision, not yours. Maybe you ought to try to forgive yourself, you know, and 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 let God decide if you're forgivable to the Almighty. And I and that just opened my eyes, you know. And I was like, gotta walk this path. And so, the second thing was that, um, you know, this this concept of the radical acceptance. And and as I was working through this over the past couple of weeks in the rooms, you know, I realized I don't feel that way anymore. I don't feel unworthy. I feel happy, joyous, and free. I feel like I'm a man of substance again. Or if there was that man inside me, he's re-emerged or just emerged for the first time. Like I'm a man of integrity and honesty and kindness and courage and generosity of spirit and all those things that I feel I, I am that now. I, I can say that. That's not boasting to say I'm honest. It's not boasting to say I'm kind, but I never thought I could I could say those things. I never thought I was deserving of those kind of words. You know, if you want self-esteem, do esteemable things. Be esteemable. 
And, and I realized, like, I would never say I'm unworthy now. I would never say that I'm unforgivable or that I'm undeserving of God's love and God's grace. I'm absolutely, that's, that I am, my, my defects are what God loves about me. And my, and, and I, and my, and the forgiveness, you know. And so that's what I mean, ladies and gentlemen, when I say my mess has become my message. I could not have this today. My life is so unbelievably incredible. There's, do I have some problems? Yes. Do I have plates on my bar? Yes. Are there things that are need to be addressed? Yes. But objectively, I am living a life second to none. And I would hear people say that in the rooms, and I'd be like, that's bullshit. Whatever. You know, show me. You know, hey, I, I could show you. I am honest to God. I've done things. I'm just, I really, I just feel so much better about my life now. You know, and nothing grandiose. It's not like, well, I won the lottery. No, that wouldn't be a good thing. Because that's not something I earned and not something that I walked a path and did esteemable things. I've lived an esteemable life these years now. And I get to have this relationship with my daughters. Oh, my youngest daughter called me the other night and she wanted me to be on the phone with her while she found out some big news of a position she had tried so hard for and she was so nervous and she was so upset about it. And she wanted me to just sit with her on the phone and talk for like, a while until the email arrived telling her whether she got it or not. And I thought, I get to be here with her. She loves me and trusts me enough that I get to be on the phone with her about it. What a privilege. And before she went back to school, I told her, I said, you know, and this is before this happened, I said, you know, I want you to know that I love being your dad. I want you to know that being your dad is the best part of my life. And she was like, thanks, Dad. I was like, I really feel like you guys, like, you know, they were together. I was like, I really feel like I'm just so happy to be with you. It's so happy to share these good times with you. My mess has become my message. Radical acceptance. Stockdale paradox. So, you know, time makes you bolder. Even children get older, and I'm getting older too. You know, you want self-esteem, do esteemable things. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the words serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises?
we think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. God, if it be your will, help everyone out there who's suffering. Help our fellow journeymen and women trudging the road of happy destiny to learn radical acceptance, to find that prevailing faith, unabiding, just, just, just deep faith that they will survive, they will thrive. In your name we pray.